Welcome back to Podcast 18 of 2023. I'm your host, Kiev O'Neill. You can follow me on Twitter, OBKiev. Follow us at The Ozbreakers or follow us on social media slash The Ozbreakers. This episode is being brought to you by Shot Quality Bets. For 30% off Shot Quality Bets, please visit Shot Quality. Use the promo code ODDS23. Get a new perspective in handicapping March Madness. If you'd like to support The Ozbreakers and benefit from our premium plays, please visit theazbreakers.com, click shop, and become a member. Pick any of our winning cappers to get their premium plays before the line moves. You can also support us on patreon.com. If nothing else, please visit theazbreakers and become a free picks and telegram newsletter subscriber. The madness is rolling. We have the start of the large conference tournaments. Did a show on Monday about that. Cannot wait to get into the big games coming up this week and this weekend. And then obviously for the NCAA tournament selection Sunday on Sunday, we will have a podcast schedule coming out and changing. We are not going to be podcasting Thursday night into Friday mornings. Most likely we are going to do one Sunday night for Monday after selection Sunday, maybe some thoughts on the seating, maybe a bracket or two being filled out by myself and another capper. We are also going to be doing shows on Monday and Tuesday on YouTube that will come out on podcasts for Tuesday and Wednesday for the Thursday and Friday huge games during the NCAA tournament. Going to have some better odds sports betting on Fridays. As far as this week go, Kyle and I cannot make Friday. I might be able to do a quick one on Friday night to go over the games on Saturday. But as you know, there's no lines up for these games and you can't predict them based upon the fact that these are tournament games. Elimination. We're going to have to talk about a lot of the handicaps at night. So Kyle and I is going to attack some of the Thursday later games via live if you can tune into our YouTube channels and the Friday games that are already set. So we'll definitely have some slight modifications adjusting for our shows this week and into next week, but there's going to be lots and lots of content digested at the oddsbreakers.com. And we have a great show for you today. Because Eric Haslam from Haslametrics is going to come on and break down some of his bracketology. We're going to talk some conference tournaments as well as his wonderful site, Haslametrics.com, and how you could use it to improve your handicaps and get an edge over the market during March Madness. After Eric comes on, I'm going to give you some of my plays and my leans for Thursday's college basketball tournament play. Before we get into all that, I want to remind you that we are having our March Madness NCAA Tournament Challenge back, where we are giving away 500 bucks to the top three finishers absolutely free. All you need to do is write a five-star review for this podcast or 
retweet this podcast. Send us a screenshot of your review or retweet at info at theoddsbreakers.com. You'll qualify to win first, second, or third place for this NCAA tournament challenge. Without further ado, let's get into our guest, Mr. Eric Haslam from Haslam Metrics. And now I'm very excited to welcome back an analytics and bracket specialist to the Ozbreakers and Mr. Eric Haslam from Haslametrics.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Haslametrics. Well, the madness is back, Eric, and we already saw some madness going on this week. How you doing? I'm doing good. How are you feeling? Well, just like you, we watched our Badgers have one of the worst first halves in a desperate situation that we've seen. Yeah. It's, you know, I'm a... I'm I'm ahead of the Badger Fan for Life fan site on Facebook. There's about over 7,000 people and started it in 2013 and uh there's a lot of there's a lot of complaining going on right now and yeah. Yeah, but yeah there always is, but at the same time it's yeah. really rough when you you're like elite 8 final 4 final 2ish. We we got to that point and then you regress to a couple sweet 16s maybe then 32 mm-hmm. and then might not even be in there. It's like how do you, how do you go backwards? You know, you see Baylor get all the way up there. They're still kind of up there. You know, you see a lot of other teams. You know, yeah, the players the players just haven't been rolling in. And I think this was the year that we were kind of supposed to have last year, except that Johnny Davis kind of stepped up when no one really expected it, and you still had Brad yeah. Davison. This year was kind of the step back where I remember seeing that roster at the start of the year, and I'm like, who's going to be the the fifth guy to fill that starting lineup? And it ended up being Max Klusman. But, you know, you're filling in a guy from, what was it, Wofford to yeah, come in and, yeah. um, and, and, and play Big Ten basketball in your starting lineup. And, you know, he's done pretty well for himself, all, all things considered. But, you know, it's, it's, it's been a grind. They've had their opportunities. They had, uh, you know, as we discussed before, um, they probably could have beaten a Michigan team. They had their opportunities against Purdue. Uh, you know, they, they gave up a big, big deficit tonight to Ohio state. And then, you know, I just, I just got a bad feeling, you know, even if they got the six quadrant one wins that they're going to find themselves on the wrong side of the bubble on Sunday. All right. Well, you know what? There's a time for that. We are going to talk about that because you have a lot of great stuff over on Haslametrics. And before we get into all that fun bracketology stuff, seating and all that, why don't you remind us, and I know you do such a great job on every show. We always have some new listeners, but why don't you kind of break down what are some of the great features on Haslametrics that uh, we could use as fans or handicappers or or whatever, uh, any type yeah. of college basketball stuff that you know might even be a little bit different than what else is out in the marketplace. Sure, sure. So yeah, Haslametrics has been formed has been around since 2014, and it's it's just an, another analytics site that's kind of trying to break down who are the best teams today. Um, it's 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 kind of takes things from a different direction. I know a lot of people who are familiar with the four factors. I kind of stepped away from that. I took a different approach based on shot location, shot situation, and shot success. At, at the end of the day. It, you know, what matters is scoring. And that's what I kind of wanted to base all my analytics around. So whereas I think a lot of the analytics people come from the same direction, I kind of ended the same result, but I come from a different direction. Um, and that's kind of the way I ended up desi- de- you know, designing the site and the algorithm. It was largely based on those shot locations, shot situations. And then you create these transitive comparisons behind the scenes that create this gigantic matrix or a spider web, what have you. 
And that's how you come up with the predictive ratings on the site. As time goes, has gone along, I have kind of added on to the site whenever I can. Um, you're going to be able to scroll down, scroll down there and you're going to see uh, all play estimates. You can plug any team in, um, plug any opponent in, wherever you want to play the game and get a simulated outcome of that game. We added automated bracketology using an algorithm for that. Um, you can click on any team out there. You can get an automated team summary for any games that you've simulated or, or that are scheduled. You can get a game summary. It just kind of gives you a little bit of uh, team details, very team focused. If right. you're looking for things at the player level, it's not something I'm particularly interested in. I'm looking for team stuff. Um, but you know, there's a lot of different metrics out there. You can play You know, I, I track consistency. I track momentum. I track an AFH rating, which is away from home. So there's a lot of things out there. I've been told you can get pretty lost in the site. I see it every day. So, um, just something that's been around now. I've been doing it for about nine years. No, it's great. And I love it. And, uh, there's a lot of little hidden gems in here for us sports betters. You know, I do love your away from home rating. And a lot of times that tells you as a, you know, a potential just not like you're basing your only handicap on it or anything. But, you know, sometimes teams are a little better away from home. Like, right, let me give you an example. Here's Nebraska and Minnesota. Yeah. Minnesota's winning by seven. It's the second right. half. Yeah. Well, Minnesota happens to just do better away from home than Nebraska has all yeah. season. So maybe it was. The X factor here, I kind of like Nebraska coming into this game. I thought they were just a much better team. I thought Minnesota had their chance against Wisconsin. And uh, and then, you know, they, they kind of blew that game. And, uh, you know, here we are. Uh, Minnesota's still kind of making a case. It's kind of funny when you see that. But I think Hazelmetrics yeah. uh, finds those hidden gems and uh, hidden situations here when you're looking in your handicap. And I love how it breaks it down for matchup. You can tell that Minnesota's got better near proximity. You know, I mean, they rank 30th in near proximity against the average opponent. That's huge when Nebraska ranks 131st on defense. That is a mm-hmm. uh, matchup advantage close to the rim for them. You know, uh, Nebraska yep. has a little bit one on three, but they're shooting on different rims right now. So, you know, something I probably might have overlooked if uh, – Nebraska's not going to cover this game. So this is definitely some of the good stuff you see at Haslametrics. But I love it, man. It's a great site. I use it every day. That's good. I mean, it's it's like I said, it, it if you you can really get lost in there, a lot of detail. You can really dig down and try to find the numbers. Um, you get, um it's it just depends on how much time you want to invest in trying to find the right answers. And granted, that's a little bit tough to do in college basketball. All these college players are so unpredictable. I mean, we can always point back to a few years where UMPC beats Virginia, who's 31 and two going into the tournament, I think, and they just come out winning the ACC tournament and then they lose to a 16 seed, 16 seed. You never know what's going to happen on from one day to the next, but um, it really does give you a great indication of like, a lot of confirmation of what you're seeing. Sometimes you're like, is this team really not playing all that well? <laughs> and then you can get a look at how they've played over their last few games. A great example would be St. Mary's. I tweeted about them today about how I, something in like in their first 21 games, they received positive game efficiency ratings in like 16 of them or 17 of them. And then all of a sudden in eight of their last 11, they're negative. <laughs> so what has, where, what, you know, what switch has flipped in the negative towards St. Mary's. I don't know that, but it, it, you know, causes you to ask that question of what's going on with this team. Sometimes it's a good thing. Sometimes it's a bad thing. Yeah. Momentum's huge, you know, and coming into the tournament's huge. People want to see which teams are kind of hot coming in. You know, LSU's got a little bit more momentum than Georgia at 361st in momentum here. And they were, <laughs> they're winning that game right now. So, 
you know, there you go. All great stuff. It has the metrics. Uh, love also, you know, how your points are based upon uh, fast break, break points. If you're a team that doesn't turn over the ball much and you play good defense, your defensive fast break points are going to be really good. Uh, same thing on offense. If you're getting a lot of steals, you're a fast-paced team, you're going to have fast break points. And so there's all kinds of little nuggets that's great on Haslametrics. But we've covered that a lot. And our listeners have heard that, but let's talk a little bit about this time of the year, my man, March Madness. Uh-huh. It's bracketology. <laughs> you have a little section on bracketology, <laughs> which I love. Let's move. Uh-huh. Let, let me move to it right here and share my screen again. Uh, this kind of tells you what the seeds are, which is cool. You got Houston, Bama, Kansas, UCLA, and uh, then obviously, if you look on the very you know, other end of it. You got some play-in winners that are about to be seeded. Heck, I think you already have a few of them in there, like Charleston and Oral Roberts. Oh, pl- mm-hmm. pl- please be the five-seed St. Mary's. I, I want Oral Roberts St. <laughs> Mary's so bad in the five Come on. <laughs> come on. Get, just get rid of one of these teams for me, man. But uh, <laughs> well, Not going to happen, though, because they already they already played each other on, uh, on know, the opening night of the season. I so know, not going to happen. <laughs> I know. I want to see that again. It's just I'm just so sick of yeah. – uh, yeah. Here's the <laughs> – What's funny about this? How many people are going to not pick Oral Roberts to do the twelve five? Oh, yeah. That's the question, man. But because you look at these five seeds, they're all suspect. I mean, uh, oh, Mi- sure. Miami suspect, Indiana suspect, Kentucky definitely suspect. Iowa State can't play on the road. I mean, yeah. and, and that's if you know you don't get like a St. Mary's looks like a six seed according here, but you know you're gonna everyone's gonna get that. So if you're the one guy that cannot pick Oral Roberts, maybe there'll be somebody right. something that you can get an advantage on. But I also love yeah. it how you have some of the play-ins, right? Isn't that the purple area, the play-ins? So yeah, you're, uh, the the play-ins going to be on the in the purple, and then you're going to have the first eight teams out in the red. Okay. And and keep in mind, this is all based on an algorithm. It's all something I kind of want to tell people because most people, most bracketologists out there, are going to probably about ninety five percent of them are trying to predict exactly what the committee is going to do. This is what a section what I call bracketology deserves, and it's not it's using a similar methodology, but it's using an algorithmic way of doing things. And I challenge anybody who's a bracketology guy to take even take the metrics that that the committee is using. And try to kick out an equation that's going to result in what the committee, it's you're, It's never going to happen. It's trying, It's I've always said, it's like trying to spin plates on sticks in 12 different rooms of your house on three different floors. You can't, by the time you get one spinning on the third floor, you hear a crash in the basement. That's kind of how it is. It's impossible to do. Um, but I'm, I make a good faith effort at trying to do it. And that's what the deserves are all about. I try to take, you know, I, I, I weigh... You know, quad one victories very heavily. I penalize for quad fours and quad threes. There's also a difference in that I don't know what's going on with the net. The net doesn't give you a calculation, and I don't trust any metrics that I can't see. Yeah, I don't so even know I how do- it's compromised. You know, is it margin? Are you? Is it beating teams by margin? Uh, no, it, I I think it's a mixture of resume and and performance rating. But I and so what I did is I developed what's called the H net, the Haslametrics net. And it gets pretty close in some areas. And I like the HNet because it gives you a, a better idea of what I think the net should be, which is a combination of who you are and what you've done. And I think who you are is probably more important when it comes to the net. Now, I think the real net doesn't necessarily look at who you are. It kind of looks like a mixture of who you are, who you, who you kind of been, who you might be. 
And that's kind of what the net is, where I'm kind of just looking at who you are. And as a result, you're going to see some differences. At one point a couple of weeks ago when Ohio State had lost a ton in a row, they were still hanging at 58 on the net. I had them way down something like 81 or something like that. That felt far more correct to me than what the net was showing because you were getting teams uh, you know, beating Ohio State, this bad Ohio State team, and getting quad one wins. And so I just decided I'm going to do it my own way. I'm going to use my own metrics. I'm going to kind of use the style that the committee is, is basically indicated they use, but I try to plug it all into an equation, which is very, very difficult to do. You get some stuff that's right on, and you get stuff that's a little bit wonky here, and there are a few seed lines off. But it's still fun to watch, and it's still something I can plug into the matrix, the bracket matrix every year. So your net is not just based on your efficiency ratings when you look at one through Fifty, you know, it's not. It's basically the. Uh, I'm guessing some of your metrics, like uh, strength of record and things like that, that you like to use, isn't isn't that one of them? Well, the HNet is going to be largely based on it's 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 probably about seventy five percent of the efficiency ratings and the predictive rankings, kind of a mixture of the two. And then the other half of it is 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 a metric I call record quality. Yeah, that's um, which I'm which I may uh, tinker with. I'm thinking a little bit more. It's a very linear equation. Um, I want to put a little bit of a curve with it. I've, I've actually already drawn it out, and I kind of have an idea exactly how I want to look. So I may implement that in the offseason, kind of get a, a better indicator of what record quality is. But um, record quality is a lot of people will say, well, wins matter. And I'm like, absolutely, they matter. But you want to be able to kind of say, all right, there's a minimum penalty for a loss. Um, you know, you can't – you got to get something for a win. Even if you play the worst team, you, you get something for a win. And it looks at your entire – uh, win loss record, you know, based on who you played, and kind of gives you this this number, and that's kind of looking at your record quality and saying, okay, you could be a team like um, I'll I'll just pick like a team in the past, like a Penn State, who was, you know, they they might be like fourteen and thirteen overall, but they'd be borderline top twenty five because of their efficiency margins. If you're looking at record quality, on the other hand, they're probably closer to a hundredth because fourteen and thirteen, you know, just is, uh, you know, when you look at that, that has to count. Wins yeah. and losses have to count. So record quality in that situation will drag you down far lower. You got to win your close games. And that's right. one of what our favorite teams, the Wisconsin Badgers, have not been doing lately, uh, losing those close oh. games. And uh, I hate to say it, but they might be on the on the bubble or worse. Uh, do you? Yeah. Right now I look at Haslametrics, and apparently you do – reward top quad teams or quad one teams because you still have badgers in the play-in game situation right yeah that was coming into today now they lost to ohio state so i'm guessing that's going to knock them out i think pittsburgh um, might flip it, with them or something or yeah it's it's pit you could have i you know those teams any of those teams could jump up and they're so close when you look at these when you calculate these things it's it's amazing you can have some games that don't involve any of these teams and these teams will move um, it's it's all based on who they've played. You can take a team up to a quad one from a quad two or a quad three from a quad two. It could be any of those things, and it can impact those numbers. Um, but I think at this point, I think Wisconsin had their chances. I think Wisconsin yeah. had a had an opportunity to win against Michigan. They dropped the ball there. They had a, they they could have locked everything up with a win at home against Purdue, and then didn't have that. And even after they beat Minnesota at Minnesota, I think they kind of had the inside track still and. My opinion is I'm not sure how much the committee is going to pay attention to conference tournament action. It, at this point, I know they're already meeting by Wednesday. 
Um, my guess is, though, they have not gotten to the Wisconsins yet. And the question is, are they going to use conference tournament results in their consideration? My guess is they probably will for a team like Wisconsin. I don't think they, they really care for a team like Purdue or Indiana. Um, that's why I kind of – it's it, you know, I'm not as jazzed about conference tournament week as, anymore because it seems to me like a lot of this stuff doesn't matter. You get a game – on you know on Sunday between Purdue and Indiana or something like that, and it's relatively bragging rights. It's meaningless. They're not close to each other on the seed lines. Um, there's not going to be a scrubbing going on that's going to move them you know one over the other. Um, it's not going to involve an auto bid or anything like that. So I just look a lot of those times like it's just kind of eh, I I just can't get into it. I almost ra- I would rather see a team like um, a Michigan be there right at the end, really, you know, you know, have a last chance to get in or a Nebraska, you know, put Nebraska against Purdue and say Nebraska has to win here to get in. Otherwise they're out something like that. But um, I, you know, based on what I've seen in the past few years um, I'll use Texas A&M as a great example. Last year, Texas A&M had some big wins down the stretch in the SEC tournament lost in the final, I believe to Tennessee. Um, and a lot of people said, based on that, they were borderline. They won two big games. They should be in, and the committee just snubbed them. Right, and 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 that was that was. Thanks for bringing that one up because I was kind of thinking about that. I was, I was, I was thinking, who was that team? You nailed it, Texas A and M last year, mm-hmm. and I was shocked that they were left out. Well, they're definitely not out this year, but it'd be a travesty yeah. if Wisconsin gets put in over like a Pittsburgh who literally finished like second in the ACC. I think they won it. I think they actually or, oh, won yeah. it. Oh yeah, oh they did win it with the my yeah. no. Oh no, and Miami won it. They Miami won it. Oh, did they Miami? Uh, yeah, okay. yeah, Miami barely it was like a one point game though. It was so close. Okay. And it was yeah. in, in Miami. I mean, they also just won their first tournament game in Wisconsin didn't. It it, it would blow yeah. my mind. And you're kind of getting to a couple questions I'm going to be asking you about uh about the actual need of the tournaments here. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I I guess, what are your thoughts about how it should, should they be factoring the tournament? Should Texas A&M got in? And is that how you uh, adjust your rankings because of the extra games? Well, I will, you know, in my bracketology deserves, I obviously can account for this because I have an algorithm. You're just plugging in numbers and it just spits them out. The committee's at a little bit of a disadvantage, and then they, they meet. Um, I don't even know what the first day they meet during the week. If they meet during you know Monday or Tuesday or whatever, but I know that by Wednesday they're already into the seating and then into the selection. They probably have the top sixteen already, probably more so than that. Um, I know by the time that Friday and Saturday come along, and I have you know I've talked to people who who've kind of given me this information that by Saturday, Friday or Saturday, they were talking about the 11s and the 12s. Um, so I think like a team like Wisconsin, it doesn't benefit them to lose this early because now all of a sudden they're going to say, well, they had their chance, they're out. Okay. But I think um, I, I think when it comes to a lot of these results, um, I think it comes down to the auto bids and it comes down to tiebreakers. Great tiebreaker example. Um, if you put a, for example, say you have a, um, a Marquette, that's currently on the bottom of the three line and you have Connecticut who is at the top of the four line. If those two teams split during the season, which is what they did, I think they were one and one against each other and they're right next to each other. The committee may look at this and say, well, we're going to watch what happens in the big East tournament and whoever goes further 
is going to get the three and whoever doesn't get is gets the four. And in a best case scenario, they meet each other. And then they just say, well, this is an easy one. Whoever wins this game right. is going to be the one that gets it. Um, I think like probably Marquette has the inside track. So if, for example, both of them, I don't know. I didn't see the, the lineup of the, of the brackets, but say they both got eliminated in the semis or something like that. I think Marquette has the inside track. Uh, but I, th- that's my opinion of the limit, um, like I said, where my algorithms will use everything up until the very end. I think the committee is far more interested in, you know, for the most part, for most of the field, it's going to come down to auto bids and it's going to come down to scrubbing those head-to-head matchups where you might say, hey, I'm going to move this team up based on them sweeping them or something like that. Okay, so unfortunately, I can't really ask you with complete confidence since Wisconsin just lost who your last four out and your last four yeah. in are. But um, I, I would guess NC State, Oklahoma State, Penn State, and Wisconsin would have been your last four in, right? Yeah, that would have been my last four in today, yep. And then the, and then your first four out, does it go in order with Vanderbilt, Arizona State, Pittsburgh, or Rutgers? That would be correct, yes. Okay, okay. Yeah, good. yeah. It, now, it, now that's now that's going to use like for example, um, I I think the committee goes a little bit too heavy on quad one results, and I and granted I give quad one a lot of rating, uh, a lot of weighting I should say, but um, there should be a penalty as far as you know quad three results, quad four, quad three losses, quad four losses, um, and I plug all this in and mix it with all of my own ratings as well. So you're gonna like I said, you may see some of these things that where where someone might have it fifth team out, sixth team out, and I have it first or second team out. That's that's very common to see. Um, but, you know, if you take in and keep in mind that I'm plugging in with my own metrics, if you use the actual metrics that the committee are using, they're going to be pretty close. And I look at them side by side. They're very close. Um, but, it, you know, in a, in a few situations, you may see something that I consider a Quad three loss is a quad two loss by the committee, or a what I have is a quad two win is actually a quad one win for the committee. So those kind of things can make a big difference between my stuff and the committee stuff. Interesting. You know, it's funny. Should shouldn't an efficiency site like yours, Ken Palms, Bartor, or yeah, Torvik, shouldn't in a perfect world all the strength of record stuff factor in by the margin you're losing or winning to teams that puts you in the top ranked anyway. I mean, in a perfect world, shouldn't it be seated? Like who's best to worst. And there's a lot of argument about college football playoffs. Like this SEC team, Alabama would have beat TCU and everybody else was probably true, but you know, but, 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 but it's just, it's just an interesting thought process. Are we looking for the best? Are we looking for the most deserving just because of wins losses when they just happen to have an easier schedule? It's not their fault that they couldn't play the SEC and some or or whatever. Yeah. So so it, it almost like as a sports better and a person that just looks at pure numbers, I almost feel that you should go from just straight Haslametrics one through sixty eight. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, that's I actually had a conversation with my dad about the same thing today. He kind of had the same opinion. Um, you know, he, he's looking for the sixty-eight best teams, and I kind of said, "Well, you know," uh, I said, "I said you probably ruin the tournament if you take out those those auto bids." And he's like, "Well, they're never going to win." I'm like, I, "I understand they're never going to win." I said, "But it comes down to money, and these teams like you know, it's you know, think of the money that St. Peter's pulled in last year by winning three games in the tournament and getting all those yeah. eyes on their program. It benefits their program." Um, 
it it is it's just i kind of look at it and go it is what it is um, oh no I, don't get me wrong the yeah, fan the fan yeah. in me wants it the same way but yeah. but but to, but if you're really trying to figure out who the best teams are here here but here's also my answer to that if you're not a top 10 team anyway you shouldn't even have to say anything because you know this is if you want it perfect have the have the top four teams play in a playoff where it's not randomly because you had a bad off night right so i mean single game elimination you can also say it like that so it's it's interesting i i I like the way they do it and i hope they don't screw it up man i i uh 68's playing oh actually i like the 64 before they even added games so you know what what is the what what's funny is that every year there's a, a million you know just people complain like crazy and it goes for it's usually about three weeks before selection Sunday and and everybody argues and then all of a sudden the brackets come out and then people say oh this team is seated too high and this team is seated too low but after like forty five minutes of that everybody's focused on the brackets everything it's like bracketology dies a quick death this Sunday yeah, in like forty five minutes everything is there where everybody's working everybody complains. And then uh, the brackets are what they are, and then everybody focuses on that. It's like it's like the dog looking out the window and saying squirrel. You know that's exactly what happens on Selection Sunday. Yeah, it really is, man. God bless it. Well, uh, it's coming up on Sunday. I can't wait. Can't wait to see yep. your thoughts and look at your tweets for it. But let's talk about the tournament itself. Then, uh, I mean, do you think do you think you have any sleepers? You can base them on your metrics if you want. Mm-hmm. That could make a deep run in the tournament. And, I, and when I say sleeper, I guess you could say Oral Roberts would be one, but it's going to be a popular one. Uh, yeah. It, it, you, and you can say that one. Uh, I'm just curious. And I actually believe that Oral Roberts is very good. So they have a 7-5 guy. I, I think they are very good. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm not yeah. going to oh, yeah. be picking them. So uh, who, who do you think could make a little bit of noise in the tournament? Well, I think if you're looking at some teams that I think are a little bit under, probably going to be a little bit underseated. The one that I jump, and I'm not going to get down to the 12s and 13s just yet, but I'm going to start with Memphis. I think Memphis is a team that has a lot of talent. They're starting to get healthy with Alex Lomax and Malcolm Dandridge back. Um, you you have Keontae Kennedy who's still hurt, but with Kendrick Davis, that I mean, one of the best point guards you're going to have out there. I think that makes them very dangerous. I think that's a team that's probably worthy of. Uh, potentially being as high as a seven. I don't know if they're going to get that kind of respect. Um, I think that's going to be a sleeper team. I think a team – I'm going to be interested to see what Florida Atlantic can do. I wonder where they're going to end up being seated. That's that's an oddball uh, team. I don't know where they're going to get placed. Um, yeah, you have, pick, seed. you have them as a 10 seed. You have them as a 10 seed. I'm going to predict a, uh, like a, a nine. I think they'll give them a nine. Yeah. I, I think that's probably going to be the case just because of their record alone. And, and when you think of last year – um, and when I had sat down with a, a lot of these uh, bracketologists and kind of discussed this, my my first question was, where was Murray State last year? Murray State was thirty and two, or thirty one and two, or thirty and two. I think they were thirty and two, um, and they actually had one legitimate good win, which I think was at Memphis, and they ended up on the seven line. So I could see my gut feeling is is Florida Atlantic hits the bottom of the eight line is kind of that number thirty two seed of you're going to wear white. But you're going to be uh, on that first day. You're, you're going to wear your home whites, but you're going to be the very bottom eight seed based on who you've played, which is next to nobody. They've got their best win is at North Texas. It's um, so funny so. because it, 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 they're ranked number twenty eighth on your site and Ken Palms and stuff yeah. like that. And in Utah State's the one I'm thinking of that's ranked number twenty two. So for me, yeah. for guys like me and you, it's not so much of a sleeper. But if people are just looking at the AP poll. 
and stuff like that, then maybe 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 some of these would be more of a sleeper. It's it's because they're low seed. People might think yeah. they're bad, but the truth is, is like these are like literally top, you know, four. It should be five or six seeds if they're the top twenty five. You know, I mean, so yeah, it's just right. kind of funny to think of it like that. Um, yeah, but well, Oral Roberts. I will say Oral Roberts. The teams that I like when it comes to sleepers on that twelve or thirteen line. If you look at like St. Peter's last year, why did St. Peter's succeed so much? It was defense. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not where Oral Roberts um, excels. Their their defense, I have them rated 85th. I looked at this earlier today. If you're going to pick these teams on the 12 or 13 line, in my opinion, the ones who are going to give the powerhouses trouble, and I'll throw three teams out there right now, VCU. No, I was just going to say VCU. You stole yeah. my thunder. <laughs> VCU, Dra- VCU, Drake, and Utah Valley. Yeah. Assuming it's those, those, those I mean, Drake has already got the auto bid, uh, but if Utah Valley gets that um, uh, gets that auto bid, they're 28th in the country for me in in defensive efficiency. Um, I think the other all three teams I think are probably top 40, top 50 in defensive efficiency. That is the kind of thing that I think gives offenses opposing offenses that struggle a lot of trouble. Um, and I don't know if Oral Roberts has that. Same kind of thing goes for Charleston. Charleston's going to be a popular pick. Um, they're, but they're pretty balanced, but they're only 63rd in defensive efficiency. I'm much more in favor of finding those, 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 the golden nuggets on the 12 or 13 line that are based on defense, not offense. Although I think when you go to the top with the top four seeds, then I think offense wins championships. But if you want upsets, defense wins upsets. Yeah, Montana State. If they get by NAU tonight, you know they would be definitely get a bid too. And uh, well, because yeah. of that, basically. But I'm going for NAU. My wife went to that school, so I'm definitely cheering <laughs> on NAU tonight. But I think it's probably going to be Montana State. They they rank 65th on defense in some of the efficiency sites. I'm guessing they're pretty yeah. high on yours as well. But you stole my thunder. VCU is probably the real sleeper <laughs> here. I like VCU a lot. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be on them throughout their tournament here. So I'm excited for. VCU, I think they're better than Dayton. It's like it's kind of funny you saw that them them lined as a dog against uh, Dayton. I didn't I didn't I agree with that at all. Well, Dayton it, Dayton was the team that I mean they have a high ceiling. I'll say that about Dayton, but man, Dayton got got ravaged by injuries this year, and I don't know. Uh, I have not been following them a lot lately. I know they had issues where you had you had a, at least one guy transfer. You had Kobe Elvis and Malachi Smith that missed a big big chunk of the season. Um, I, I don't know. I think they're all back and healthy right now. So if this team plays to its potential, this was supposed to be a top 40 team coming into the season. Um, just has not kind of panned out that way. But, you know, you get a chance in in, in the, the conference tournament. Look what happened last year. Richmond was the same thing. And Richmond made a run, got in the tournament, and beat Iowa in the first round. Same that's, thing could happen for Dayton. That's true. That's true. They were preseason. So was St. Louis, though. You know, it's like the, the, yeah. there's just a lot of preseason stuff that didn't work out. How did it work out for North Carolina? <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, my God. <laughs> Number one. Uh, so they win more one more game. The committee's going to find a reason to put them in the tournament. So be prepared for oh. prepare for that fight coming up on Sunday when uh, Twitter oh, absolutely geez. blows up, and blows its. I, I I was kind of rooting. I was like, maybe Boston College will take him down today. I think it was, <laughs> yeah, BC played him, but no, Boston College got blown out. And I was kind of hoping that would have that would have just made it so simple. That would have just finished it them sure right would then. Have, there. It sure would have. But now they but, got now they got a suspect offense against Virginia. They're playing here. It's like a one. Yeah. It's a one and a half point spread so that could be the freaking kicker right there yep. Yep. oh man 
if you don't want it to happen, maybe a motion bet uh, North Carolina. So <laughs> they yeah. used to win some money, right? <laughs> All right, yep. ne- all right. Next, next question I have. So basically, what I'm si- looking at your first. Uh, I, I do want to go over this real quick. It's funny that you have Tennessee ranked number four in your Haslametrics efficiency ratings, but you have them on the four line right there. You know, I think mm-hmm. that's. I think that's interesting. They have that Ziegler injury, but yet the Clark injury with UCLA, and you still have them a one line. So. I find that interesting. I'm not. I'm. I'm thinking you haven't factored in injuries for this, and it's something else. But what what is the reasoning for that? Well, that's going to be the the difference for that is going to be your your um, record quality. Where Tennessee is 22 and nine comes in at 23rd in record quality, whereas UCLA's record quality is is uh, number four in the country, sitting there at 27 and four. Um, and that's that's the reason why you see that a lot of people. It's a common question I get. They're like, "Well, how do you have a team that's twenty sixth on the three line and a team that's fourth on the four line?" Because the predictive ratings aren't. You're not looking at wins and losses. You're looking at efficiency margins, that kind of stuff. It's trying to predict what would happen if the teams faced each other. Um, but when it comes to record quality, like I said, the committee is going to look at record quality, wins and losses count. And as a result, you will see something like that happen where a team that just doesn't have as good a record falls behind a team mm-hmm. that in theory, the, the lower team would beat on a neutral court. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Makes total sense. So who is your teams that could bust in the top four seat? Let's just say the four, the one through four. Who do you think one through four seeds that can bust? Well, I think the team that you brought up already is the first one that I'm thinking of is that, well, first of all, what I like uh, like to tell people, if I, I went back to 2014 and I kind of said, well, what were the, the fingerprints of the teams that went all the way? And, and what the fingerprint is, is top 10 in offensive efficiency, top 35 in defensive efficiency. That's where you want to be if you want to win the whole thing. Last I checked, there were three teams that qualified. One was um, Houston, one was Purdue, and you might be surprised by the third one. The third one was UConn. Um, If that stays true, I'm probably picking one of those three teams to go all the way just because that seems to be the consistent trend. One of the things for early exits and one of the things I don't like about teams is teams that may be very, very good on the defensive end but aren't so great on the offensive end. Um, and you know, I, Tennessee, it's not like Tennessee struggles offensively, but they're not just not top 10. They're not, they're not top 25. They're actually 27th. And you've seen this with Tennessee in the past where they're a little bit snake bitten with, with coach Barnes. They, I don't think they've gotten out of that first weekend or it it feels like it's been a while. It's it's just a team that just, you know, doesn't do well in the tournament. Um, I, I think they're going to probably be a little bit suspect, um, I think a lot of people are going to pick them to, to, to be out a little bit early. Um, but then you got to look at a team like, you know, you, you think about a team like Arizona. Arizona's really great on the offensive end, but doesn't really play great defense, 45th. Um, it's it, 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 it's kind of a crapshoot when you think about it, though. Um, any one of these teams could be a bust. And all of a sudden, you know, last year I, I, I looked at inconsistent teams. And I, two of the most inconsistent teams last year were North Carolina and Iowa. And I kind of said, well, neither one of these teams is going to win more than a game because they're if they have an up game, they're going to have a down game right after. Well, I 
picked right on Iowa. I had them losing to Richmond. And then I had Baylor beating North Carolina in the second round. Well, we saw what happened with North Carolina. So, you know, what I kind of think um, a lot of the stuff that, that comes into play, in my opinion, in March is, first of all, you want to have that pretty good balance where you're better on the offensive end. You got to have good shooters. You got to have a little bit of experience. And I think you got to have the last thing that's important is these teams that haven't played to their potential but could. And I'm going to that probably takes out a team like St. Mary's. St. Mary's, who is throughout the season, has played to the probably the maximum of their potential, but they can't really play much higher than that. Now, if you're looking at a team that play a higher beyond the potential that they have played at throughout the year, I mean, Duke has a lot of potential, Kentucky has a lot of potential, Arkansas has a ton of potential. They just haven't shown it yet. Same thing that happened with North Carolina in the tournament yeah. last year. They finally got it together, and that's how they made that run. You know, we talked about Arkansas, me and you, on Twitter before the season started. Like, uh, mm-hmm. or it, it might even been last year, but everyone was was going to be on Arkansas. You know, and Arkansas was supposed to be the darling coming in. Well, geez, man, they're gonna they're gonna have a tough line coming in. They're already going to yeah. be playing soon tomorrow. It's so funny. They had that one big injury to them. That happened back in December, I think it was, and uh, you know they've really Trevin Brazil, yeah, yeah, Brazil, and, yeah. and they and they ended up faltering. So, I, f- I found that very interesting. Um, I hate to say it, but if you want to look at consistency, UConn could be the big darling that people pick and falter again. Mm-hmm. They were they're out the first round the last two years. You know, yeah, they, I mean they're very inconsistent. Now, are they heating up at the right time? Yes. Let's see how they do in this tournament here with the Big East, but. Just Rick Barnes on Tennessee, I agree with completely, and and then UConn just has, you know, ap- <laughs> you know, no consistency. Dan Hurley, great during the regular season, and the last two years out in the first round, you know, just you, you got to watch out for teams that are peaking too soon. Happened to Iowa last year. Remember Iowa yeah. looked fantastic in that Big yeah. Ten tournament, and then all of a sudden they laid an egg in the tournament in the NCAA tournament. Um, teams that are red hot right now, I think UConn is starting to look a lot like they did back earlier in the season. So they look better. You know, are they peaking too soon? The team that I think maybe might be t- peaking too soon, who looks unbelievable right now, is Gonzaga. Gonzaga looks like the number one team that people thought they were going to be coming into the season. A lot of the analytics sites had Gonzaga way up there. Now all of a sudden they they're number one in my momentum metric right now. And look what they did last night to yeah, St. Mary's. Dominant, dominant. They look really, really good. But the question is, again, here's a team that, uh, you know, really great in offense, far away, my number one team in offensive efficiency, but 52nd in defensive efficiency. This is not a great defensive team. And when those shots aren't falling in the tournament and you're with a number 52 defense against a team that is where the shots are falling, you're going to have some problems. And that's kind of where I'm – I mean, Gonzaga can make a run. Not saying they can't be a Final Four team. I just don't think they have the blueprint to be a national champion this year. I well, that's funny because you said that you're going to keep picking them until they win over the past I couple did years. Last I year, remember you saying this that. is going to be yeah, and this is going to be the year that watch they'll they'll stick it to me because I'll be like, <laughs> nope, I'm not doing it this year, and this will be the year. Drew Timmy's last year. This is the last hurrah. Watch, I'm going to I'm going to uh. dump Drew Timmy. And he's going to make me pay. You're going to eat your lunch, man. It's <laughs> exactly. It's going to happen, man. Yep. Uh, yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, you're right. It, it, I don't think there's anybody that sticks out. I see Alabama could be possibly losing. Kansas won it last year. I think if I had a 
gun to the head pick one of I, I'd pick Kansas just to win it all. I mean, it's yeah. they're they're built for the tournament, really. That's how they always are. And you know, they've had some bad games, sure, but you know, this is their time and they seem to have a very good record quality. You know, they're yeah. taking care of business in most cases and when they're hot, they're hot. So I, I I think they're the most trustable team. I definitely will have them in one of my brackets, but um, it sucks because mm-hmm. it's like you feel like you're the public and picking the same thing that the public does, but it is what it is, man. I, I understand it, you know. Uh, I just yeah. hope maybe Zach Eady can blow up for the Big Ten and have finally get Purdue to the Final Four. It would be nice to see something like that. Yeah, that's another team that's just absolutely snake bitten, it seems, in the last few years. And, um, you know, last year they had the golden opportunity. They got to the Sweet 16, and you're playing the 15 seed in the in the Sweet 16, and, you're, and they took that game too lightly, and St. Peter's beat them. And, you know, they've had gold. I mean, nothing will be worse than the year with uh, uh, when they got beat at the buzz, uh, the shot at the buzzer that tied the game against Virginia. They had that, oh, my God, they had that game won. And uh, for I think it was Diakite hit that shot at the buzzer. I think it was 2019 or 2018. Uh, man, that was just a ripped the heart out of their chest. I think it was that year after a great game. Back to back games. I remember that year they beat Tennessee and then they lost to Virginia. Both of my, you know, I loved that that uh, that that Purdue team. That was such a fun team. That to was watch. a great was Purdue shame. team, and I had them. And yeah. the did that long pass, turnaround jump shot. Yeah. Got him. I remember exactly where I was. I was at a bar in Queen Creek. Yeah. And I was watching them with a buddy. It was. Very, I, I was. I had Purdue going to the Final Four, and it was just such a great game, man. But yeah, Diakite took care of business, and then they won. They beat Texas Tech. I thought that year in the tournament, maybe it was, I believe that's correct. Yeah, I believe yeah, that's I correct. Yeah. Te- Texas Tech got a little bit of a screw job in the overtime with that invisible foul yeah. that happened too. If you remember that, oh yeah. All right, well, hey, my man. Uh, one more question: Is there any upsets that you see happening in the Big Ten tournament, SEC, Big Twelve? or any of the big tournaments you think it's, you know, that's always so hard to, to answer just because the motivation of these teams is, is kind of all over the place. I think a lot of these teams don't really kind of some mail it in and some don't. And um, it's really hard to say, you know, I, I just don't think for a lot of teams like in Alabama, what's the motivation for Alabama to win the sec tournament. They're going to get a one seed one way or another. Um, I, you know, what's the, what's the motivation there? So I look at that and is it, is a team hungry? Is it their last gasp effort? Are they going to have extra? And, and how is that going to impact them? Do they play well under stress? Do they play worse under stress? It's so hard it, to, to answer these questions. And that's why it's just a microcosm of the NCAA tournament itself. The conference tournaments, trying to pick the conference winners. I'm probably going to, you know, default on picking Purdue out of the, out of the Big Ten, out of the SEC, I, I, I think I would probably lean towards. I think I think I picked in the Jerome. I think I picked Auburn. Um, just it just seems like that kind of team that would probably make a run, win the SEC tournament, and then all of a sudden go and lose in the first round of the NCAA tournament. <laughs> yeah, Bruce Pearl. That, that's the yeah Bruce Pearl. That's the kind of team this year that Auburn feels like. So I'll I'll probably go Purdue in the Big Ten, and I'll say. Uh, you know, Auburn and the, and the SEC, and then just talking about those two tournaments. You know, it's funny that you say that. I have Arkansas in the SEC. I think that they can do it. And, you know, they're like 12 to 1. But, yeah. And, and it's funny. They do have to play Auburn. That's one of them. I think Texas yeah. A&M is very, very good. They're a two seed. 
they have they they they're playing a little bit past. They feel like the Kansas State of the Big Twelve a little bit. Texas A&M yeah. does kind of playing right. a little bit past their ability. But what I do like is that they're on the side of the Kentucky and the Texas A and M. That's kind of whacked, in my opinion. You know, I think. Uh, of course, the other side, Tennessee, with the big injury, that certainly helps Alabama make it there. But I think right. I think Arkansas has got a case. Uh, Vanderbilt is uh, without obviously uh, Liam Robbins, which was a massive injury. Mm-hmm. So that I'm not so uh, as worried about Vanderbilt either. So I, I think it's a very uh, winnable path for both of these. So I think we both agree. It's just a, just depends who's winning on this one tomorrow. Eric. Right. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Yep. Great stuff, man. Well, we're out of time. Where could our listeners and viewers get your great information? People can find me, my ratings, my rankings, my bracketology, and my projections over at Haslametrics.com. Otherwise, if you guys are looking for me on Twitter, I'm out there going hashtag analytically final. My yes, we love it. We love it. Awesome stuff. Thank you so much for coming on, Eric. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Enjoy all the games. I'll be tweeting at you. Thanks. Appreciate it. All right, my friends. Now I'm going to get into some of the big games for Thursday and Thursday night. These games start early, so keep in mind you might have to get on some of them pretty early. They're even as early as 12.30 Eastern. It looks like Baylor, Iowa State, few others are tipping off. I'm going to start right with Baylor, Iowa State. Now, I was pretty high on Baylor coming in, but not as much right now at least. They've been faltering, but where they falter is on the road. They have a terrible away from home. Now, Iowa State also has a terrible away from home. But what I really like about Iowa State in this matchup is that their defense is much better and defense has a much better chance of traveling than offense. Iowa State's defensive efficiency is 7th, while Baylor's is 78th. Now, it's the same discrepancy for offense. Iowa State's offense is 105 and Baylor's is 4th in efficiency on Haslametrics. But I trust the defense showing up and I trust the fact that that I'm getting four and a half points here. So in my opinion, this is an easy spot to pick off a a close game. One matchup advantage that I really like for Iowa State, near proximity, they rank 32nd in the league to Baylor's defense at 359th. Baylor is terrible in defensive rebounds and near proximity points on defense. They're going to be giving up a lot of stuff at the rim for Iowa State. So Iowa State has a good advantage there. I, I love Iowa State here for at least a couple stars at the plus four and a half. Sprinkle that shit. Miles will stick in the same state for the next game because I just watched my Badgers come back against a bad Ohio State team. And the fact they were down was pathetic for the Badgers. But the fact that Iowa, Ohio State was up 26 and let them within three points was mind-blowing. It just shows you Iowa, Ohio State is a bad basketball team, too, and now they're playing Iowa. Iowa had a very rough stretch recently, and the reason you're getting some value on this is because Iowa is not a great on-the-road team, right? Not great on the road. But they did win two of their three last games taking care of business against Michigan State, and taking care of business against Indiana. Iowa's offense ranks third in adjusted efficiency. Iowa knows how to rebound the ball 
as well, ranking 72nd in offensive rebounds. And they don't turn over the ball, ranking 8th in turnover percentage. That's where I think they're going to get Ohio State. Ohio State tends to turn the ball over easily, and they don't get steals, ranking 304th in turnover forcing on defense. So I think this is just a small number that you have to deal with here on Iowa at the minus two, minus one and a half in some books. I think Iowa takes care of business. They're the rested team. Ohio State is going to be toast in the second round of the Big Ten tournament. Take Iowa for 2.5 stars. Another big game I'm looking at is UConn versus Providence. Providence is kind of in a do-or-die situation. Providence has faltered on defense, only ranking 109th in efficiency, while UConn, as you know, ranks 12th in defense, 10th on offense. A fantastic team coming in, but they've faltered plenty of times in this tournament in the past. They're out against Villanova in 2022 in the second game and out against Creighton in 2021 in the second game. Dan Hurley's just not a great tournament coach. I think that UConn's defense shows up, but their offense could use a little work sometimes. They can rebound the ball, but their offensive effective field goal is only at 52 uh, in the nation, and they just sometimes falter at shooting threes. They shoot a lot of threes, ranking 69th in threes, but where is this game played? Madison Square Garden. So, I'm going to be possibly looking at the under here. The issue is you're already getting a very low number in 144 where teams where uh, efficiency sites like Ken Palm has this game all the way up to 149. Uh, and so you're already paying a little bit of a premium on that. I expect it to go maybe up a little bit just based upon the recent history where the game went past 150 points, 156 points, I believe it went to. So uh, we'll be looking at that. I still lean strong to the under, and I might even cut it in half and do myself a first half under in this situation. So kind of going back and forth. I'll have a play out uh, on the one I decide after the line moves a little bit more and possibly uh, might decide to just take the half. Seeing Kansas open up against West Virginia just minus three. I find that an interesting little line. West Virginia played very well today but it was against a a texas tech team that's just been up and down throughout the whole year they had a pretty strong middle of february but then lost three in a row tcu kansas and uh oklahoma state then they finally lost to west virginia here i i think that west virginia is a little bit overrated at their number uh west virginia i will say they had a really strong finish but I just think Kansas is just a little bit too good for this team. I, I'm not sure if I'm going to take it at three, though. Um, three is a pretty key number in basketball. So is two. So if it lands on the two, you're going to be in a little bit of trouble. A lot of teams, when they're up three, are now fouling. So, you know, they win by one or two points sometimes when it uh, comes to the end of the game. So I'm a little concerned about that. I, I know they're going to be motivated here against a big Kansas team who's not motivated in the tournament, but. In this situation here, I just be, believe Kansas is a much better team than they're kind of just sleepwalking at the end here against Texas. I'm gonna watch this line a little bit though. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to possibly attack a money line uh, if I get in position to do so. Finally, gonna talk a little bit about Penn State versus Illinois. This is a low total at 140. 
Now, at some point, I really feel that Illinois hasn't played good defense lately, and they seem to give up a lot of points to teams like Penn State, 93. They gave up 71 to Indiana, 69 to Minnesota. They gave up uh, 87 and two overtimes, though, to Michigan, but that still was a pretty high number in the 70s, I think. Uh, and then 76 to Purdue. This could go over. Uh, Ken Palm's got this at 145, and it's down to 140. I wonder if it goes down a little bit because everyone's betting those tournament-type unders on neutral courts. You know, Penn State's not really a team that I look at as that defensive. I think, you know, they kind of go through Jalen Pickett and, uh, you know, run their offense. When they play a little bit faster of a pace team, like when they played Ohio State, they went to 146, uh, 145 against Minnesota. When they played Illinois the last time, it went to 174 points. So um, when they play the faster teams, it tends to go over. So I'm possibly going to be looking at this over as well. I'm going to dig a little bit deeper tonight as these lines just came out. My friends, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. A huge shout out to Eric Haslam from Haslametrics for coming on and talking about his wonderful site for handicapping and just being a fan of college basketball. If you have any questions for us, please tweet us at the Oddsbreakers. Enjoy all the games and go get some winners.